What's up, Slow Drip listeners? This is your host, Zach. And Matt. And we have an exciting announcement. CisternaCoffeeCo.com is officially up and running. We are live. And everything is in stock. Uh, We've got our mugs ready to ship. Right in time for Christmas. Today's date is December the 7th. Um, So everything is ready for you to go. Um, Bolivian coffee's in stock. Thai coffee's in stock. Everything's freshly roasted. Coffee mugs, decals. Uh, This has been a long time coming. The site is beautiful and uh, ready to go. So... Wherever you're joining us on the Slow Drip journey, whether it's episode one or the end of the season, take a minute and go check out our new website and store and uh, pick up some coffee just in time for the holidays. You know how many times I had to cut your stomach rumbling out of the last episode? Was that me? Yeah. How many times? Like only like three. Welcome, Welcome back, back to, to the, the Slow Drip, Drip Podcast. I'm Matt. Zach. You almost said that you're Matt. I almost did. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for joining us today, guys. We are here. This is the first Tuesday episode that we've released. And... Um, a little bit of a different look this week. We have decided to pull an episode from the vault. This is one of the first episodes that we recorded together, Zach. And uh, this is the Coffee Tears List episode. And we're going to go through and talk about some of our favorite ways to make coffee, some of the ways that we really don't like to make coffee. Um, and in the some of the ways we've never and some of the ways we've never made and, and in the bizarre, bizarre world timeline that is the slow drip podcast so far like this is one of those that like like we said we recorded and it left stayed in the vault uh for a while and feels like a good time to bring it out i think so so uh, with that we hope you enjoy this episode and uh, we would just say too we would love to hear back from you if you could give us a rating and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts, uh, a rating would help. And we can talk all day long about how great we think it is, but uh, it's helpful to hear from you. Also in the show notes this week are going to be other ways that you can contact us. You can shoot us a text, send us a message through the Slow Drips podcast website. Uh, Links will be in the show notes for that, but we'd love to hear from you. if there's questions or topics that you think we should talk about, we'd love to hear from you about that too. Indeed. So with that, sit back and relax and enjoy an episode from way back when. Well, welcome back to The Slow Drip. I'm Matt Luce. With me today, as always, is Zach Moore. And we've got a brand new episode for you. We are going to go through a coffee tiers list. This was an, uh, a throwback episode that we've done in the past. And the last time that I walked through the coffee tiers list, uh, I didn't know what was coming. I didn't know what was on it. And uh, this, so time, now, this time it's kind of the reverse. It's kind of the reverse. This time it's going to be 
asking you. And it's a good opportunity for us to kind of talk through different ways to make coffee. And obviously, we're just going to scratch the surface on some of these. And I think there are things that we can come back to and flesh out in more detail in later episodes, particularly about grind size, water temperature, really get into some of the science of some of the different things. So Mm. um, we're just going to get started. And Zach, you understand how the tiers list works? Yep. So S tier is the best, best of the best. Why is it S though? Why why not A, B, C, D, F? Well, do you want to do that? A, B, C, D, F? No, I want to do it the right way. I don't don't know if there's a right way or not, but this is how it was done before was S tier, A, B, C, D, F. Okay. So S is Superior. superior. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's go with that. All right. So jumping right in, drip coffee makers or automatic drip coffee makers? Uh, well, I'm somewhat of a germaphobe, so ew. Okay. So explain that a little bit more. Well, just well, at home we have hard water. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we don't pre-filter everything before it goes into the coffee maker, which most of the time doesn't happen anyway. It's just all kind of corroded and it just sets up all kinds of pipe scale pipe. Well, not only that, but if, if we don't use a coffee maker for a little while and it stays damp mm-hmm. and sets up other stuff and it's just not a good, at least I don't think it is. I, I but I, I do think it's above a Keurig. Yeah. Well, we'll get to in just a second, but I figured it probably would. yeah. Um, so an automatic drip, I, I ranked it, the last time we walked through this, I ranked it a little bit higher um, because it's sort of the, the not only gateway or entry for a lot of people to make coffee, like it's kind of the, the standard coffee making way with, you know, a predetermined temperature of water <clears throat> sprinkled over the grounds and dropping through. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I... I do not like it. I can't remember exactly how I ranked it last time, but I know that the way I feel about it is... I'll drop this. I'll drop the feed in here. Yeah. And cut. So I would place that at a solid B. Okay. Um, I think that uh, the the automatic drip has a lot of um, value in, in the average coffee maker's arsenal of ways to brew coffee, um, particularly the set it and forget it. I know a lot of people set it up the night before and then it's ready to go the next morning when they're getting ready. So for ease of use, uh, I would say... And cut. Okay. We, we probably won't actually drop it in. What are you talking about? From the last episode. Okay. Oh, just... That would be funny. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you could do that. Yeah, it could. You should do that, actually. Well, this is what I think. And that's All right, totally so what, what do you ring it now? Well, it's, I'm asking you first. Oh. I would say a D. Maybe a C. Just because, like, I'll, like I know at Waffle House, mm-hmm. I know that they're not using pour over. Mm-hmm. No. They're using a probably one that's not been cleaned in a, a while. long time. Yeah. So, I mean, like if I'm drinking coffee in public at a restaurant. You like, know that's what you're getting. I, yeah. But so 
Is it my top choice? No. Will I still drink it? Yes. Most of the time. Most of the time. But at, at home, I'm not going to Like, we have a drip coffee maker, and I can't tell you the last time I used it. Right. Well, I, I feel <laughs> the same way as you in the, the, the cleanliness, and, you know, you get pipe scale if you have hard water. Um, a lot of the internal parts that get exposed to heat are plastic, and I'm kind of a big... As much as you're a jomophobe, I'm a big, I won't... Anti-plastic. I'm very anti-plastic. I don't consume anything that's been in heated plastic. I just try to stay away from any plastic packaging, Tupperware, or any of that kind of stuff. Um, See, I eat microplastic as a snack, so... You say that as a joke now, but I feel like that one might come back to haunt you later. You think so? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, you know, like my grandmother, when we were growing up, she would save all the Cool Wick tubs... And oh yeah, butter tubs was our thing, and then country crop. Yeah, and then have leftovers in it and microwave that. Yep. And so, like the edges of the Crisco, it gets soft, and it's like you know you're eating that, right? Yeah, it's not good. Um, so I would say D. I don't know what I ranked it last time, but I would definitely put automatic drip into the D category. You what if you ranked it at A last time? I know I did not rank <laughs> it as an A last time for sure. Um. But yeah, I'm going to put it in the D this time. Uh, D tier. Okay. Um, yeah. And then we'll follow that up with the Keurig and the K-Pod. So I have a Keurig too. Um, my dad had a Keurig. And when he passed, I took it. And it sat in our office for a while. And I used it a handful of times, but I just could never get beyond the... Uh, somebody else has it right now. Mm. I, I let Michael... Um, I let Michael... Michael put, Bolton. Michael Bolton. Yeah. <laughs> He's no. got your K-Pod maker. Yeah, Michael Bolton has my K-Pod maker. No, um, Michael Lane. You know Mike. Mm-hmm. He's got it at his office. Um, he had... Uh, started a new job and they um they, i don't even think they have a coffee maker in his building so he's like you mind if i borrow your your keurig i was like yeah sure how about it i don't use it but i mean if i were to rank it it's is there an e no we left the e tier out it oh. goes from d to f okay so solid f solid f for me as well yeah and same thing there's like, just no way to clean it there's exactly. no i mean and well, and not only is it just mildly gross, like it, you're not getting good coffee. There's right. no way you can get good coffee out of that. Right. And who knows when the, the coffee was roasted and ground and put in those little foil plastic packages, which again, that's heated plastic. plastic. Heated plastic. So, yeah. yeah. Good point. So, yeah. To- solid F tier for me as well. Okay. All right. So, we just move right on. Let's talk about pour over. Mm. My preferred method. Mine too. Which is, that's what we're drinking. All right. That's how we made our coffee today. That's what, right. This is what. We, yeah, we usually open up every episode talking about whatever coffee we're enjoying during the podcast. And we jumped right into this. It's been a while since we've been together to podcast. So we just got overexcited. And jumped right in. This is 
an El Salvadoran single origin um, we got as a sample from one of our warehouse suppliers for Cisterna Coffee. And we were going to roast it and sample it and see if we wanted to order more. And so this is a medium roast, El Salvadoran. Um, and then before we dive into pour over and how it's done, what do you think? What tasting notes do you have in, in this one? I don't know. Um, well, I was actually going to ask you for the uh, a refill because mm-hmm. I already sucked the bottom out of this one. Can do. So while you're doing that, I will kind of say I get some herbal notes. Um, it's definitely bright. There's kind of a, a citrus undertone, um, maybe lemongrass or something kind of herbal like that. Um, what do you think? I don't know. It's tart. I mean, there is. I get the citrus, mm-hmm. but uh, it's not super bright. It's got a clean finish. It's not. Yep. Yep. It's not toasty or nutty. It's. Mm-mm. Whenever I was chewing the coffee beans earlier, I did get some like, uh, maybe some chocolate vibes. Mm-hmm. But I don't taste it while I'm drinking it. So when you say tart, I kind of I get like tart raspberry. So I would say like lemongrass, tart raspberry, um, pretty clean finish, definitely smooth. Mm-hmm. So I like it. I do too. Is this one we're going to add to our repertoire? It's definitely a possibility. I think it's one that we could bring in uh, and just do, you know, small lot. I think that'd be cool. We should do a maybe. Maybe we talk about that next episode because mm-hmm. um, yeah, we are off subject just a little bit. But, but yes, we we can come back to that. I think it's one that we can um, definitely bring in. Uh, because it's it's good, but let's get back to uh, pour over now. The two main pour over styles, as we talk about all all encompassing pour over, my favorite is the Chemex, and you know there's sort of two camps whether you like the Chemex or like a Kalita, which is kind of the sits on top of a cup or um, you know like vessel. And you pour over into that where the Chemex is sort of all in one. It holds the filter, and um, I have the I have the other. You have like a Kalita. Mm-hmm. Do you like it more than the Chemex, or uh, I'm indifferent. Oh, good. It doesn't. No opinion. Yeah, I mean, I don't really see. It's it's one more thing to clean. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, I don't know that I've ever even cleaned it. I rinse it out, but other than that, like I, I rinse it out and then let it dry. Right. Um, just so that there's not dried coffee smudges. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So I use a, a fellow double walled, um, pour over set. Mm-hmm. It's, it's actually really nice. Is that what, did I send you the link for that last night? 
I'm because I was looking at the the fellow double walled um, <clears throat> vessel and the fellow pour over like the Kalita. But I've used different ones. I've used St. Anthony's Industries pour over filter holders. Um, but for ease, I kind of always go back to the Chemex. But I like pour over because it gives you, I think, the most control over all of the variables. Grind size, water temperature, steep time, when you bloom the first coffee, all of it. So um, it's definitely my preferred choice. I didn't know that the bloom was a thing. Really? Nope. I had no idea. I don't even remember where I found out about it. I think it was like, whenever I first like started getting serious about coffee and I was like consuming entirely too much information about pour over and like how to accurately make coffee. Um, and I kept reading about a bloom and I was like, what, what are they talking about? So I remember I took, I had 40 grams of ground coffee and I put about 80 worth of water Mm -hmm. and I just let it sit there and the exchange like actually caused it, caused the coffee to bloom. And I was like, that's super cool. That's so cool. But Mind then, blown. Yeah. Yeah. And like, uh, I don't know. So, I mean, I do that every time. Like I, like I, I watch it every time I make coffee. And sometimes it doesn't happen. Maybe the coffee is a little like older or something. If I don't get to a bag soon enough. Right. Well, you can tell, I have found that you can tell a lot about like a particular variety on at the that initial bloom as far as um, like how much of a bloom you get or if it develops like a really, really light colored crema on top. Um, but that's a really critical step because that's sort of the, the final outgassing of CO2 is coming out of the, the ground coffee before you mm-hmm. finish uh, the pour over, finish you know, making it. So definitely like a critical step, but I have found the different varieties and, and different regional coffees too kind of bloom, bloom differently. differently. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> definitely something to come back to. And we can talk just pour over styles and pour over methods and all of that in another episode. But I think you grind your your grounds are finer. Yes. Than mine whenever I do pour over. Mm-hmm. And that's just a personal preference. That's well, it probably extracts more evenly that way. To a point, but I've actually dialed down and gotten a little bit of a bigger grind lately because I was <clears throat> I was too close even almost to the Turkish side. And mm. then it's just like silt. Yeah, and it's it, over extracting. So there's like that balance, which is what I love about, you know, coffee in general is like, you know, end of the day, if you enjoy coffee, you can go and, you know, just simply make coffee and not think about it. Or you can go way, way, way into the weeds and go, okay, here are all of these scientific steps to hot water, to cold water, to fine grind, to coarse grind. Mm -hmm. And that's why I like pour over because that gives you the most control of all of the variables. 
So I remember the first time, the first time I made my, my first pour over, I had a, it was a Chemex style. Um, matter of fact, Mox got it too. Um, cause I, I never used it anymore. Um, I got it from Walmart. It's like 18 bucks. It's super cheap. Um, but it came with this like brass filter and I, didn't realize it, but I didn't have any paper filters. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to have to make this do. And I had a blade grinder. Mm. It's absolute trash. Yep. Absolute trash. Um, I had all kinds of grounds in my in my coffee. Just straight through the brass filter. T- takes me back to turkey. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but Okay. So S tier for me on pour over. Same. All right. S for same. Perfect. All right. Let's talk about the French press. You know, I'm not, I, I haven't done, a, I mean, I've, I have had it, but I've, I'm not one that goes to, it's not my go-to. Mm-mm. I don't dislike it. Is there such thing as cold brew French press? Um, I think so. I mean, I think that that's a, you could do that. Amanda has, so Amanda, she prefers cold brew coffee. Right. And I have thought about doing, like just setting up our French press, pouring in her stuff and then setting it in the refrigerator and let her drink it. And then you just push the plunger and. Yeah. And then drink away and, but I'm probably not the best one to ask about that because my skill as far as French press goes, it's pretty limited. Okay. Well, do you want to describe, you know, exactly what a French press is for those that are listening that may not know what a French press coffee maker is? Yeah, sure. So, um, the one I have, I got cheap from Walmart too. There's a pattern here. And maybe that's part of the, the, the issue is that the pattern is you're getting cheap ways to make fine coffee well matt i'm cheap so (laughs) i am too but not about certain things well i'm finding that coffee is not something if you want good coffee you should not you can do affordable but cheap is not the way yes to go yeah you should not that's a good differentiation you should not opt for an eight dollar grinder you should not pick up something at a flea market you should i mean you buy nice, you buy once. I mean, you get you get what you pay for. Exactly. So, but <clears throat> so it's a a glass cylinder, and it's got a plunger, uh, a lid with a plunger. Uh, you put you put your your grinds in your hot coffee, and you just let it steep. Just let it sit there, and then when you're ready to drink after you know however long you want to mm-hmm. let it sit there, push all the grinds down. It's got a filter. Um, it kind of keeps everything to the bottom and you push all the solids down right? Um, and get clean coffee on top. Mine did not work that great. Again, I ended up with grounds in my coffee. I, there's a... You just don't like the grounds in the coffee. No, I will sit there and eat a handful of beans. Right. But I do not want to drink grounds. Mm-hmm. Well, it changes the flavor too once it's been... In water. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, Not probably, definitely. 
So I think, yeah, with a French press, you're going to do a little bit of a more coarse grind because you're yeah. just using the filter on the plunger. There's not an extra like layer of a paper filter. And I think that was part of the issue too. It's just too fine of a grind. Yeah, so my grinder now, my I have a burr grinder also from Fellow, um, and I love it. Well, it has a um, like a diagram for like different mm-hmm. style coffee making. Um, but I, I think that their I think that their scale is off uh, or their diagram is off because if I remember right, their French press stuff was a little too fine. Mm-hmm. But it also could have been that extremely cheap French press possibly that I got. Right. So, so. I use a, a French press to make <clears throat> hot tea. I like mm-hmm. loose leaf tea. Um, and that's kind of become my afternoon kind of tea time, uh, beverage of choice. And so I use a French press for that. And like a pour over French press can give you some really good variable control. If you're doing it well, if you get the right grind size and again, you need to bloom it. Uh, and I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize when they're making coffee with a French press is, you know, that's never crossed my mind. Yeah. So you, you, you're going to measure out, say, you know, 600 mils of hot water to 40 grams, put the coffee in, bloom it, let it bloom, and then add the rest of the water in and then let it steep. But then you add an extra variable, which is how long do you let it, it steep before you push the plunger down and make it. It's not my preferred choice, and I think that you end up with kind of a muddy undertone flavor. Um well, that's just, and I think that's just kind of the the screen filter uh, kind of lets a little bit more of those kind of particulate solids come through. Some people like that, um, but I would put French press in a B tier, a low B. Low B? Yeah. I'm probably right there at it, maybe a little higher than you, just because, I don't know, it's unique, but it's also not my goatee. Mm-hmm. Goatee. It's, it's not my go-to way to make coffee. So I do appreciate it when you're at a restaurant and you order coffee like for dessert and they bring you the French yeah. press. Like It's like, all right, it's not drip. It's not like been sitting there. Definitely better than that. Right. Yeah. yeah. And when we, when we go to Kenya, I, as kind of tourism and, and coffee industry has picked up more in Kenya and uh, like that kind of side of agro-tourism, and they're getting to be known more for, for coffee. Um, a lot of the places that we go in Kenya will bring you a French press of coffee when you order it. Um, so they're definitely like, that's one of my favorite coffee experiences recently is when I went back to Kenya in November and hadn't had true double A Kenyan coffee in a long time and got that first French press and I was like, this is it. This is good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I could I make concessions for a French press when that that's the the scenario. So yeah, I would say B. I'm good with that. Okay. What do you know about the AeroPress? Nothing. Okay. So an AeroPress, um, I know less about it now. I think than I did previously. Um, it's definitely not my go-to. Uh, it's plastic, and it's like. Uh, a combination of a pour over and a French press, 
And so you have like a, a plunger that you draw out, put the beans in and um, pour your water over and then let it steep. And then you push down this plunger and then it's supposed to, I think, increase your extraction of coffee. Um, I'm really not a fan of it, though. Why not? Well, well, because of the plastic thing? Plastic thing first. Two, it makes a small... I mean, it only makes about uh, 10 ounces at, at a time. Um, you can use little paper filters. You can just use, like, a really fine metal screen uh, for your filter. Um, there's a whole world of AeroPress competitions, like... Really, these guys like get super, super detailed and into like grind size and steep time and do they plunge it or do they not? And when we were first starting out with Beehive, we on one of our first trips took a lot of different like travel coffee making options, and front or the AeroPress was one that we used, and I just never really got to a place where I I liked it. Um, so I can't really speak that much about it now because I have not used one in probably two years. Um, but some people really, really swear by them. Uh, it's just really not my thing. Now when we travel for Cisterna or Beehive, I just have a collapsible snow peak pour over Mm -hmm. and you know, you can get hot water pretty much anywhere. And if you can do that, you have your portable burr grinder, bag of coffee, you're good to go. So. You use the same kettle that I do, don't you? Mm-hmm. Well, yours is stovetop. Yeah, it's a fellow stovetop. Fellow, if you want to. <laughs> if you're listening and you want to sponsor. Just hit us up. Yeah, reach out. We would love to be sponsored by you. Um, and I do the I do the stovetop because I like the analog <clears throat> thermometer. I don't mm-hmm. I don't trust digital thermometers. So I use the analog. You just don't trust technology as a whole? or Yes. The robots are taking over. Not quite to that level, but <laughs> like if I drop the... Get the kids, honey. Yeah. If I drop the analog thermometer and like it gets out, like I can always recalibrate it. Yeah. Um, with the digital, it's like the microchips. Like I know what's right and I'm going to give it to you. And you could set it for 190 and it could be coming out at 210. And, and you, there's no way that you can, you know, remediate that. So we should test that. We, we should, should see if it's accurate. Mm-hmm. Next time. I'll, I'll bring my thermometer next time. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. So I would say D tier for AeroPress. Okay. I don't you, have a preference. You, ambivalent. I'm, I'll put it in C because that's right smack dab in the middle because okay. I don't care either way. Fair. I don't know that I've ever had it. So. Tell you what, I've got an AeroPress at home that I'm not using. Let's give it. Let's give it to Michael Bolton. Since oh. we're just going to push all of our stuff to Mike. Yeah. Hey, Mike, we're not using this anymore because we don't like it. We want you to have it. <laughs> we think it's garbage, but we think you'll love it. So here you go. I wonder if he. I wonder if he listens to this. I'm not going to tell him that we mentioned him at all. Right. I'm just going to see if, like, a year down the road, he's like, uh, so we need to talk. How come I'm getting all of your leftover stuff? <laughs> Well, yeah. Okay. What do you know about vacuum brewing or siphon brewing coffee makers? Not much. 
I mean, I understand the concept, but I don't think I've ever had it either. So it's a pretty cool concept for those that are listening and, and are not familiar with it. Um, there's not a ton of variable control, but it's kind of on this principle of physics and kind of a precise temperature threshold for it. Um, I think I said last time that it's a little bit like uh, a pour over and maybe a drip maker had a baby. Gail Bedecker on Breaking Bad mm-hmm. makes the best coffee using that that method. I'm going to take your word for it because I'm, I have no idea other than you mentioning Breaking Bad. I have no <clears> idea what you're talking it's about. It's definitely not a it's, it's not a I mean it's a it was a phenom show years ago that I never got into. Yeah. It took me the show ended several years before I watched it. But I watched it. Did you watch the whole thing? Mm-hmm. That's four seasons? I don't remember. Okay. I, all I remember is I told my brother, I was like, hey, I'm watching Breaking Bad. And he was like, man, ain't it crazy how he dies at the end? I'm like, thanks. Thanks a lot. Yep. <laughs> like, you couldn't let me. I haven't watched it yet. I am watching it. He's oh, sorry gotta give a spoiler alert or something idiot and for the sorry if anyone is still watching breaking bad and, <laughs> and didn't realize that walter white dies in the end uh, now you know uh, we're gonna save you some time what what's the what's the threshold like at what point do spoiler alerts stop become oh like on a timeline yeah and maybe four years maybe. i mean at that point it, it if you're gonna get into it and you've been living under a rock that long Plus, it's like Breaking Bad memes are still inundating culture. Like, it's still coming back. So, yeah. if you don't realize what's going on now, sorry. Yeah. But, um, but back to Siphon Broom. Yeah. So, there was somebody else made it, was uh, he's a photographer and videographer on YouTube. I can't think of his name. I'll think of it in a minute. Um, but he, he's a coffee nut too. And he, uh, if I remember right, he made his own like version Mm -hmm. of a, like a vacuum set. I I thought it was super cool, but I've never had it. I really want to try it Mm -hmm. just to see. So I used to have a, a siphon coffee maker that I bought in Taipei, Taiwan, uh, in some back alley. And I think they were originally invented in Germany. And then um, I think it kind of became really popular with Japanese coffee making. Um, But I picked one up in Taipei and it like it had an alcohol burner to heat the water, which Mm -hmm. took forever. Yep. So I switched that out and was using a uh, snow peak um, like camping backpacking. Uh, stove top or stove to oh, do yeah. it uh, because like it, a jet boil yeah like a jet boil because it it had a rounded uh, flask bottom and so it, it wouldn't I couldn't like set it on a stove top so I had that jet boil set up for it and the whole premise is is that you heat the water in the bottom and then you have an upper reservoir that 
has your coffee grounds in it. And when the water heats up to 212, through the magic of physics, it goes up a, a siphon in the middle, which then floods the upper chamber where the coffee ground is. Mm-hmm. And then, like, and you're totally trusting the science of, of this. There's no control whatsoever because at some point when that hot steeping coffee cools, it drops back down to the, the bottom reservoir. So once it boils and goes up, you take the, the flame off or the stove off or whatever. And then, you know, within five minutes, it cools to a point where it drains on its own back into the bottom receptacle which is then what you serve the coffee out of. And it's fascinating. It's really cool. I wish I still had it, but I, like I said, I bought one years ago. I was in college at the time, and I have no idea where it ended up. But I think one day in the office, and I've seen this in, in Thailand, um, like when we go to Thailand at some point, Zach, there's a couple of coffee shops that I really like, and, and one of them has like, along behind the barista along the wall on an upper shelf like every different style of coffee maker like we're talking about that's kind of cool yeah like a black and decker drip coffee maker over there mm, not that one <laughs> but <laughs> that's one we got at the house right um but i think that that would be cool like somewhere like kind of a wall of fame in the cisterna offices and have have one that there. would be that would be kind of cool yeah i'll have to get all my stuff back from mike <laughs> Yeah, you remember all of those things that I he said just you comes could have. Said, what are you doing in my house? Right. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't worry about it. You you know, we're just going to reclaim all these things. So. Uh, so I don't know. I I would. I kind of want to give it an A just for nostalgia. The coffee itself isn't bad. It, it's. Well, that's what I was about to say or ask. Yeah. What What's the quality like? Like consistency wise, like can you make a consistent cup of coffee? Is it good? I would say it's like French press. Okay. Good. Um, so I would say like low A, high B. Um, but again, like not as much variable control. It, you're again, it's the magic of physics. Yeah. And I, I wish I understood more of why, like when water hits 212 degrees, it goes up against gravity into the upper vessel and then when it cools to a certain temperature it drops and so i guess with that if you're in a room that's much colder it might cool quicker and not steep as long um so and the water is hotter than i would prefer going in so maybe i'm going to back off from an a and say a solid b I think if you use pressure, you know, because if you <clears throat> if you create a vacuum like on a tube, mm-hmm. and you're you're using like if you're if you have a very long straw, I don't think you can suck water through the straw more than was it ten meters or ten feet? I think it's ten feet. Maybe it's ten meters. I don't know. But beyond that point, the water just starts boiling off, mm-hmm. and it just it doesn't go anywhere. It just it 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 can't, which is an, another interesting concept because trees use the same concept 
but they're a lot more than right 10 feet tall so i mean there's a whole science thing behind that well we, we yeah should. xylem and phloem and trees is more narrow so it's working off of capillary response and so the ionic bonds of the water molecules are actually drawn up based on the um the you know covalence of the xylem and phloem which i know it's not covalent bonds but um that's the basic breakdown of the physics is capillary response so it just is drawn up well what i was saying is i don't think you would necessarily have to have the water boiling because you could just use the the vacuum of i don't know i don't know how the science would work out Mm -hmm. i'd have to i'd have to do some research and some so we're going to come back because I think we should definitely do an entire episode on building out our building out our own siphon brewer. That would be super cool. Well, let's do it. I don't think Connection Church is going to let us do that here. Maybe. But yeah, I think that's one. So we, I mean, we can pass on some of these, but we can come back and, and actually do all the science about the siphon brewer and do another episode about just all the science for pour over as well. Yeah. Really get into Yeah, that'd be cool. You know, a deep dive. What do you think? B? Yeah. Okay. So we're gonna move a little more quickly. We talked about espresso the last time we went through this. Um and then in hindsight I've thought about it and I think that espresso um really more is a, a type of coffee and not a method. The way to get espresso is with a really fine grind and to under steam pressure force it through um did i ever tell you i worked as a barista in high school no i never told you that no not until i'm this many years old that i learned that you're a barista well and i don't know that you could i don't know that i could actually say that i was a barista the um so i just got my driver's license i actually i started working before i even got my driver's license there um it was a place called Java Junction in Calhoun. Um, the owner was super cool dude. Um, it was just like a nice little lunch spot, cool sandwiches. Um, but I got to, you know, learn about coffee and running a, an espresso machine. I don't think I was ever very good at it, mm-hmm. but I thought I was when I was 15. You couldn't tell me nothing. Oh, yeah, you're 10 feet tall, bulletproof, and you know everything at at that age. Yeah, of course. So my uh, brother-in-law, Ace, who was our photographer for Beehive for a while and traveled a lot, he was started out as a barista at a coffee shop in Knoxville and ended up in their marketing team. And he, like this, he really knew the science of, of making espresso and yeah. could get it, you know, dialed in and, you know, just the way he wanted it every single time and you know we talk about you go to a new coffee shop you know like was it java junction Mm -hmm. like somewhere like that like there's i will order three specific things to be able to kind of get an idea of how they do their whole coffee ethos is kind of comes out in like three specific things like a shot of espresso an americano which is espresso and hot water uh if they have a pour over i'll get a pour over but just kind of some of the kind of give you an idea of like 
all right, how do they how do they treat the product and, and how good are they? Um, which I realize makes me sound a little bit like a coffee snob, but it's really just kind of more to give me a baseline um, of, yeah, how good they are. Usually an Americano is my go-to. At sometimes if I'm feeling up to it, I get an extra shot. Mm-hmm. Amanda, one time I got, I had to get up really early and to do, I don't remember what I was doing, but, um, she brought me coffee from Starbucks. She was like, here, I got you the biggest one and I got you two extra shots. So it was like five shots of espresso. Mm-hmm. And then like by lunch, I was just like, what did you put in this coffee? Like I'm shaking. Right. It was just super caffeinated. But well, that's, I mean, that's kind of my go-to. Like if I'm at Starbucks, like working on something or mm-hmm. whatever, I'll get a blonde Americano and yeah, consistent. Yeah. I mean, that's a, it's a, nothing to write home about, but it's, no, but it's a standard and it's a consistent yeah thing that you know what you're going to get every time. So that's why it's one of my go-tos as well, just to, to kind of get a baseline. Um, fun fact about espresso, um, I don't know if we're going to rank it because I don't really consider it as a way to make coffee necessarily. I mean, I guess technically it is, but it's also... What's the... Mm. I mean, yeah, I guess it is. Well, okay. Well, well so, it's espresso itself. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a specific way to... To make it. Yeah. All right. Well, I stand corrected. So what do you want to rank it as? And then I'll give you a trivia tip about it. I don't know. Solid high B. High a. B. Low A, maybe. All right. Well, that's good. I'll give it an A. I mean, it's good when it's done right. So it's not one that you really, unless you invest like $5,000 in a home true espresso maker. Right. Which I'm not going to do. But um, No, because there are better ways to make There coffee. are better ways to make coffee. And more affordable. Well, so I heard one time that, um, like particularly like Italians, when they would come to the States and get like several cups of coffee would end up over caffeinated because espresso in and of itself, the darker the, the roast, it drives off and, and like the caffeine is volatile. Mm-hmm. And so the, the more that you roast coffee, which we know like it volatizes the caffeine. So the darker the roast the is less actually caffeine. the last less caffeine, which again, I think is why I like, like medium to light roast now. Um, well, so you get, you know, people from that are used to like Italian espresso with a really dark roast and they'll sit in a cafe and, and, you know, have conversation and have three, four little espressos, uh, in an afternoon and then come over to the States and have like three or four cups of American coffee from Starbucks and just get absolutely whacked and over caffeinated because they're not used to it. And it just, it doesn't translate, you know, so, um, a little fun fact there. That is interesting. Mm-hmm. So along the uh, espresso line, let's talk about a mocha pot. Okay. Do you know what a mocha pot is? Nope. So a mocha pot is, ad- like, that's a name brand, um, but it's kind of advertised as a stovetop espresso maker. Okay. It's kind of like the lo-fi version of espresso. <laughs> lo-fi. And it's, in, in theory... It's kind of similar, um, but what it is is basically reservoir of water on the bottom, and then in, in like a metal pot, 
mm-hmm. and then you screw you, you put a a pre-measured amount of coffee ground coffee in with a filter and then it kind of screws and locks into place and then the upper part of the of the coffee maker is open and so it works kind of on the same principle as like a percolator uh, but when you boil it it basically once it boils it just forces the steam and hot coffee up through the coffee grounds into the top part of the the mocha pot um, I've come to like them more uh, but again not as much variable control and you're essentially the water is 212 degrees when it's hitting the coffee which in my opinion scalds yeah you know scalds the coffee and changes the the outcome and the flavor so I'm not crazy about that but um, kind, I kind of the same concept of the the siphon a little bit a little bit of the same kind of concept and a lot like a percolator which we'll talk about briefly in a minute well, actually next um but mocha pot i would say um if you're kind of into the espresso thing uh i don't know i'd give it a b i've never had it so i can't rank it okay well let's i see all right a b and a c for the stovetop espresso machine maker Another little bit of trivia. This is fun, and and I couldn't remember it. I went back and I listened to the last tears list episode last night mm-hmm. to to make our show notes today. And on that episode, I I was saying, I know a piece of trivia, and I can't remember it about the mocha pot, but I remember it now. And as soon as I heard that episode, I was like, I know exactly what I was talking about. Well, here's the fun fact: the original inventor of the mocha pot uh, was Italian. And as the legend goes, when he died, he stipulated in his will that his ashes be put in a mocha pot instead of a urn. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So somewhere mm-hmm. sitting on someone's mantle, you would hope there's a man in a mocha pot. Yeah. So I have two people sitting on my bookshelf right now. I know you do. <laughs> I know you do. But they're not in mocha pots. But they could be. But they're not. <laughs> all right. That's all I'm going to think about for a little while. Get my, my, get, my, get your old French press back from Mike. <laughs> <laughs> you got a new use for it. My, my Papa Joe. Yep. He, was, uh, he was bold and strong. Definitely French press material. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. What about the percolator? Just straight old school plug it in <clears throat> percolator or stovetop percolator or old campfire percolator. Metal rod through the middle tube. Coffee boils, goes up to the upper basket, and then hits the sight glass on the top, sprinkles down over the coffee. Don't know. I don't know that I've ever had it. Really? No, I don't think so. Okay, well. Definitely not the camp. Definitely not the camp. Uh, like the the iron. blue cast enamel Coleman campfire. Yeah, percolator. yeah, I know what you're talking about. Right? I, I, think, my, I think my pop, my, my granddad, Papa Sam, I think he had one. Um, 
I don't ever remember him using it. It was just one of those things that kind of sat there and you wondered what it was. Mm-hmm. You're talking about the blue with like the little speck and mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. I've never the nostalgic used- value and all of that. Yep. I need to go and see if it's still around and just it might have someone's ashes in it. Probably. <laughs> probably not. Okay. Um, so for all based on this whole conversation and as much as you've heard me say variable control and not letting overheated water touch the coffee grounds. But you lose that there too. Exactly. And so like for me, all of that goes out the window for the, with the percolator. It's the weirdest thing. And it's a, it's a nostalgic throwback there. You know, coffee is experiential and it's a, a nostalgic throwback for me because, um, my grandmother, when she was alive, she always made percolator coffee. Mm. You go into her kitchen in the middle of the night to get a snack, and you would hear like the the ticking sound of the the old school plug in timer. Yep. Like she would set it up the night before, and then it'd be going off, and it just makes a really cool sound as it like heats the water in the bottom, and then you know, boils and goes up. <clears throat> um, it breaks every single cardinal rule of coffee making for me it's boiling coffee mm-hmm. you know which b- boiled coffee is horrendous in my opinion and i don't even reheat coffee like if it's gone cold i'm gonna rather drink it cold than warm it back up because i think you just alter the flavor too much so, so what do you rank it i would give it an a i would would almost ba- give based it an on S. But I'd give it an A. You know, that's what I was about to say. I've never, I don't know that I've ever had it. If I have, I mean, I don't, I don't remember. But I would say the same thing, just because it's not the quality of coffee, but it's the like you think about sitting around a campfire with your family mm-hmm. or your friends, or you know, that's a that's a memory you get to keep. Mm-hmm. And it's it's, a, it's the experience over the. The, yeah. qu- the quality of coffee. Yeah. And, but and the thing is, is like pour over. Like I'm, I'm doing it at the house every day. Like there's nothing special about it. Mm. It makes a good cup of coffee. Right. But there's nothing memorable about it. You know? But with that, there is. Right. Right. And maybe, you know, I hope one day, you know, my child will think back and go, you know, I remember watching my dad make pour over coffee every day. Mm-hmm. And that's why, one of the reasons why I really like it. I don't know. She'll probably end up being a tea drinker just to spite me. <laughs> Anti-coffee. No, I don't believe that. Me and Amanda were talking about that the other day. I don't remember what we, what it was. But I... We were sitting there, we were doing something. And Harper did something the way that I, the way that I normally do it. And I just thought, I was like, ah, like that, that is something she'll hold forever. Mm -hmm. Like she will answer, why do you do it that way? Because my dad did it that way. And I was like, man, that's super special. Yeah. But I I don't remember what it was. I cannot think of what it was. It'll probably come back. Yeah. But yeah, so I I would give, I would give percolator coffee an A. Um, I, I can't quite bring myself to put it in the S tier, but it's a high A for me, for sure. And what we need to do, 
since we've talked so much about how nostalgic it is, is I will record my percolator making its percolator noise. Oh, and stick it in. Send it to you and we'll put it in in post. Okay. Because it is the coolest sound in the world. Okay. Um, I'm all for it. Yeah. All right. Turkish coffee. Mm. You have, you know, we've talked about this recently, but your 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 experience is more recent than mine when it's, it comes to Turkish coffee. It's the best and the worst. I agree. It's the best and the worst. I rank it both F and S. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm just going to go with that then. Uh, well, the reason... Well, and we've we've talked about Turkish coffee on here before, haven't mm-hmm. we? Oh yeah. Um <clears throat> so the first time was I drinking sand. Like think mouthful of coffee with sand in it. Which we've already established is like the highest anathema of a coffee experience for you is grounds in the cup. But I, and I don't know why. Like why is that a thing? Like, why do I not like grounds in my coffee? I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe there's something there. So, but to explain Turkish coffee again for, for listeners that may not be aware, it's sort of a usually a copper-fluted small uh, coffee maker vessel, maybe about 10 ounces. Yeah. Um, rounded on the bottom with like a... a handle usually made of wood or something insulated coming off from it the coolest thing about it which puts it kind of in that s tier is if you're like in turkey and you're seeing it made you know they've got like the fire cauldron and then this wide like three foot wide big vat of sand vat of sand on top that's like superheated sand and then um they put ultra fine grind turkish grind. i mean so you when you buy a, a burr grinder that's kind of like the standard of like, we can make it as fine as Turkish coffee. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of one of the things that they'll put on the side of a, a burr grinder. So very, very fine grind. Put it in, put the water in, shove that into this sand that's who knows how hot. And then it foams up and boils. Mm-hmm. Usually it's drawn off. The foam is kind of poured off the top. It's put back in. I think like... The true Turkish method is it's heated three times like that. Which I'm almost willing to bet that there is a method as to why they do it that way. Mm -hmm. We need to find out. We do. So we'll add that to the list of like, we're going to come back and revisit uh, siphon brewing, pour over, and the science behind the Turkish coffee. Because, I mean, when it's done really well or you're in Turkey, like, it's fascinating to watch and it's really cool. And they usually put, like, allspice and cinnamon and other things in it. And then when you get it served to you, it's, like, super, super sweet and rich and dark. And um, The coffee itself is really good. And it is really good. And, you, and every time I had it, they added Turkish Delight, which I'm not a fan of Turkish Delight. Really? Which I'm not a big sweets guy, right? Um, and, and Turkish, it's like this I don't know, gelatinous sugar cube. Yeah, it's like gelatinized sugar with powdered sugar on top, flavored with rose water. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I, don't know. I mean, it wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. I'm just not. I don't know. Did you put it in your coffee? 
Oh no. Did you see someone drop a cube of Turkish delight into their Turkish coffee? No, I was just wondering if that maybe that's you're... how it's supposed to be done. No, I doubt it. <laughs> maybe that's what makes Turkish delight better. Is to melt it. <laughs> melt it in the coffee. <laughs> and not eat it. <laughs> Every time they brought it out. Here, you guys want these random cubes? I don't know. What is it? But yeah. Um yeah, we'll come back to it. Um, but we'll say S to F for now. I, and F is F is harsh. I shouldn't say F. Are you gonna walk it back? <clears throat> I think F just because like it was surprising. But if I would have known going into it, yeah, you know, it it was a it was an incredible experience mm-hmm. just because of where we were, what we were doing. Like it's super memorable. And that's both but yeah, I just prefer not to have grounds in my coffee. Well, I get that. Well, I don't. I don't understand. You just don't like you don't you don't understand why you don't like grounds in the no. coffee. Okay. Well, is that the last method? Yeah. Is that it? Uh, you, that feels like a good time to take a break. You want to take a break? Sure. All right. 